glory. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to let the children slip out. They're getting ready for that program. It is going to be awesome. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You're going to want to be here next Sunday. And uh, that Sunday morning, of course, will be our Christmas program. I promise not to preach over an hour. I won't preach that long. Yes, Trish. come up with a title because the ladies tell me when they put that on Facebook that well, I need a title for your message pastor and so I came up with prophecies at the birth of Jesus now that's not the prophecies telling you that Jesus is going to be born again that's a whole nother sermon but there's a lot of prophecy matter of fact I, I, I really I, I almost made the title God manifested in real life. But I didn't. But it, you know, the thing that really I think we need to take away is that, you know what? God operates in this real world. I mean, come on, y'all. He made this world. And he hasn't gone off somewhere and then every once in a while he goes, oh, what did I do with that world? <laughs> you know, I mean... God's in the midst of everything that is going on. We may look around and go, oh my goodness, this world is, and in some respects, yes, the world is out of control. But God is orchestrating this whole thing. And God's the one who's putting it all together. God's always had a plan. Get in here. I like Alicio said that. I liked it. God's always had a plan. God isn't flying by the seat of his pants. God's not just reacting to what's going on. Things are happening because God said they were going to happen that way. You know, before the world was ever created, before Adam and Eve were ever placed in the garden, before Lucifer ever fell from his place as the worship leader of heaven, before sin ever entered in, God foresaw everything and God set a plan in motion. 
all the world may appear out of control, but the Lord God of heaven has everything under control. And that right there makes it worth coming to church this morning. Amen. Glory to the Lamb of God. Well, you ought to know what to do by now. Hold your Bible up, whether it's on your phone or in paper. Say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by his spirit. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Father, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you that our hearts are receptive. I thank you that the enemy is bound. And Lord, we're going to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I went through all that because God does step into, in, in our way of looking at it, God steps into this natural world. And, you know, we, we a lot of times, sometimes we listen to other preachers in the morning when we're getting ready for church. And sometimes I don't because I need to have my mind just on what I've got. But we were listening to somebody preach this morning, and he was talking about that time when Paul and Silas were in, in prison or in jail and how they, you know, they were beaten, they were put in stocks, and then, uh, you know, God sent this earthquake and all of that. Those are the things that strike us. When God steps in, <clears throat> by the way, there's a whole sermon involved with that, y'all. They were praising God. I love that which you shared, truth. There's just something about praise. Yes. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I think God just was listening to Paul and Silas worship. And I mean, God just said, I'm just going to get right down there with them. And God stepped into the jail cell. And when he did, an earthquake happened. And anyway, that's Wilsonology. That'll hit you on the way home. But God does enter into the affairs of people. God literally breaks in and manifests into this natural world. God's always working. And he's always there. But there are times that it, in our perspective, God kind of breaks into the natural. And there's been generations in the past that have lived during very prophetic, supernatural events by the hand of God. And, and I'm going to say this up front. You know, the reason for looking at some of this is to encourage and challenge us for what's soon to be the year 2024. You know, back in the 1960s, I wasn't thinking of the year 2024. No. <laughs> we, were, we were wondering what was going to happen in 1984. That's right. But uh, if you ever said to yourself, wow, I wish I could have lived in Bible times. Anybody ever thought that? <laughs> well, congratulations, you're here. <laughs> because seriously, we we have entered into very prophetic times. So, but but, but this just kind of struck me, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So bear with me for a minute. 
What about these past generations that lived during times when God manifested so powerfully? Well, you go back through Scripture and Noah and his family lived through really the most dramatic event in human history, even up, well, up, up until the birth of Jesus. And that was the flood and literally the rebuilding of the human race. You got to, man, that's, that's powerful, y'all. Sin has consequences. And mankind had become so depraved and so evil. Scripture basically tells us the only ones that were left that weren't that bad were Noah and his family. And he preached to them for 120 years. <laughs> and they ignored him for 120 years. You know, nobody was ignoring him when the waters were falling and the water was exploding up out of the ground. You realize it wasn't just rain. There was water coming down out of the heavens in torrents. We talk about it raining buckets of water. It was raining buckets of water. It was like, the, it, it was unreal. And yet the ground even opened up and fissures opened up in the ground and water was coming up from the subterranean water. And I mean, it was, it was some kind of bad. At that point, there were no more scoffers. And there were no more of these people who said, nah, that's never going to happen. Just kind of like some that say, well, this rapture thing they keep talking about hadn't happened yet. But it will. That's right. There was Moses and the whole nation of Israel that experienced the prophetic deliverance from Egyptian bondage. <laughs> Anybody remember what we called a pandemic? Yes. How would you like to have 10 pandemics, one right behind the other? No. Uh, the Bible said they had 10 plagues. Well, their plagues were a little bit different. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think I want frogs in my eggs. You know, <laughs> and I, they had every kind of plague. Oh, it was, you think it's bad. It was bad. It was bad. But I mean, they, they watched God deliver them. And I mean, it was powerful. God just brought them through there. And then they, you know, they, they got to the Red Sea and they had Pharaoh coming after them because he had thought twice about turning them loose. And, said, boy, I'm going to come get you. And here he is with all of his army and all of his chariots. And you got to remember, y'all, this is the most powerful army on the planet at that time. Egypt basically had conquered every other country they wanted to conquer. And they were either getting tribute from them or something. Pharaoh and his army were the elite of the elite. And they were coming after a bunch of ragtag refugees who didn't probably even have any swords and they, they were coming after them and they were stuck in the Red Sea was on one side and the army coming after them on the other side and God just parted the Red Sea. They crossed over on dry land. I don't know about you, I don't think it was very smart when Pharaoh and all of his army got there. Here's the waters of the Red Sea folded back just held supernaturally on two sides. 
And in his lightning fast mind, he said, well, it's no big deal. I can go through that. I don't know about y'all. I don't, I'd, I'd have been looking at those walls of water and oh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. <laughs> I bet some of his soldiers thought that. But anyway, that, yeah, that'll hit you on the way home too. And they started crossing. They got out in the middle of it and God said, okay. And God just lifted his hand back and let the water go back like it now normally was. Pharaoh and his entire army drowned. Mm. You just, just got to kind of meditate on some of this stuff. These are past generations that saw the hand of God. Now, I've already preached about Daniel and how that Daniel prayed for the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy that Israel would return to their land after 70 years. Y'all, God has judged that nation more than once. And again, it's because of sin. Did I say that a while ago? There's consequences to sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. There's always consequences to sin. There may be pleasure in sin for a season and then it bites you like a rattlesnake. But there's, you know, I'll just go ahead and say this because I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say it. There's, there's some that are trying to say that the nation of Israel does not belong in the Middle East, that they're usurpers of the land, that they're occupying land that actually belongs to somebody else. I beg to differ with them. God is the one who gave Israel that land. And it doesn't matter. Now, Jeremiah said they were going to be gone for 70 years. They were gone for about 2,000 years from that land. And God's timetable changed on May 14, 1948, because prophecy was fulfilled and a, a, a people became a nation again who had not been a nation. The ancient language of Hebrew was resurrected and God literally set his people back in their land again. And I got news for the world, for world leaders, for the globalists and everybody else. I guarantee you there's one thing that's absolutely certain. Israel will never again be removed from their land. And it is their land. Does that mean that all of them are perfect over there? Not hardly. Most of them are very secular. Most of them don't even believe in Orthodox Judaism, which really isn't salvation. It's, it's got the roots of it in it. But God said they are the olive tree. We as Gentiles are the branches. We're the ones that were grafted in. And y'all, there's something that we got to understand. What we're watching is the world is going to see God is a covenant-keeping God. Amen. That's what the world is going to see. That's good preaching. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Back a little over 2,000 years ago when the Roman Empire ruled the known world, there were two young people that experienced really the greatest event in human history, the birth 
of the promised Messiah. A young virgin girl named Mary was touched by the hand of God and supernaturally gave birth to a son who was to give redemption to all humanity. And this kind of sets the stage because there are prophecies that are tucked into the story of the birth of Jesus. I want us to read some verses together. I think they're back there, Quincy. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. I want to do it this way. I, I don't have to do it this way all the time, but I like doing this. I'll read verse 39. I want you all to read verse 40 and then so forth. We'll just, wrote, we'll, we'll just switch back and forth. But when it comes up, I want you to read it out loud. And I'll start in verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And blessed is she that believed. Listen to this. Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Wow. You know, the story up to this point, when you go back in chapter 1, Zacharias was of the priestly line. And he and his wife Elizabeth had had no children. And they just, obviously from Scripture, they had prayed for a long time. And Lord, you know, we, we, want, we want children. And then they had gotten past the age of childbearing for both of them. But it... It fell his turn, if you want to put it that way. King James says his lot. For him to be the one that carried the blood into the Holy of Holies. There was a whole lot involved with that, with tradition. That I'm not an expert on it. I've heard different things. I've heard a lot of them say, you know, there, there was no door to the Holy of Holies. And that curtain wasn't exactly just a little old piece of cloth you just kind of brushed aside and went in. It was extremely large, extremely thick, extremely heavy. And you could go under it because if tradition, what I'm remembering, 
they would literally, they'd put bells on the priest and they'd put a rope on his ankle because if he went into the Holy of Holies and did not have the right covering by the blood, if he had sin in his own life, he'd get in the holy presence of God and he'd drop dead. And you can't go in there after him, so they just drag him out from under the, <laughs> the veil. Now, I don't know. I, I haven't really confirmed all that necessarily, but I remember studying that at one time and going, wow, you know. <laughs> but it was, it was Zachariah's turn to go into the Holy of Holies, to be able to perform his duties there. And the Bible says that while he's in the holy place that literally the angel Gabriel now you got to remember the angel Gabriel is also the one that goes to Mary later but the angel Gabriel comes to him and I won't go through all of it but basically the paraphrase of it is just real simple the angel says you know uh, you found favor with God God's, God's going to answer your prayer and your wife Elizabeth and you are going to have a son together and he's going to be a prophet I mean, he, he, he's going to come literally in the same spirit as the prophet Elijah now you got me he's the one called down fire from heaven and so <clears throat> his name is going to be John and there's a Hebrew equivalent for that but you, he, you're, you're going to you're going to have this son. He's going to come. And what he's going to be is he's going to be the one who ushers in. He's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah that has been promised for so many centuries. And your son is going to be the prophet that, that breaks ground for him, that, that ushers him in, that gets the nation of Israel ready for him. And, and your son is going to be used mightily by God. And Zacharias, being like a lot of preachers, being that man of great faith and power for the hour, he goes, how in the world can that happen? I, you, know, you have to go back and read that all over again because I think that's where Gabriel gets just a little bit testy with him and says, I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. So guess what? you're not going to be able to talk so that there's no more unbelief comes out of your mouth. Yeah. And, and so he, uh, he, 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 he kind of waits a bit before he gets through with everything that's in there because that, I mean, that was powerful. And then he comes out and he has to make signs he can't talk. And he has to tell the people that he's, he's, he's seen an angel and that God has spoken to him. And he tries to explain it. And, and of course, he goes back home and the Bible just simply tells us that after he goes home that his wife and uh, Elizabeth and him, uh, she becomes expecting and she's pregnant. She's going to have a child. And then that story continues. This is all in chapter 1. And this same angel, Gabriel, goes to Mary. And Gabriel goes to her. And again, just let me just kind of put it in simple words. I mean, the, the angel says that, you know, you found favor with God. 
You're going to be the one who's going to carry, who's going to bear a son. And he will be the Savior, the Redeemer. He's the Messiah. He's the Anointed One. He's the Promised One. He will be literally the Son of God. And Mary says, she doesn't act in total unbelief. She just says, I don't understand because I'm a virgin. Y'all, that's important. Can I throw something to you just a little bit? People say, well, you know, th this whole thing, y'all just make a big deal out of virgin birth and all that. I, and, and people in their day, the, the, the people that lived right then, people that knew Mary, people that knew Joseph, I guarantee you it was all over Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else that, you know, uh, Mary keeps saying that, you know, she's a virgin, and, but she's pregnant. Uh, no. Don't believe that. Don't believe she is. And, and none of them believed it. The reason that the Bible tells us and stresses that she was a virgin is because it were given the explanation in the book of Romans. Had there been an earthly father, the sin nature would have passed on to the son. Because her father, because his father is the heavenly father, because his father is God, he got the nature of the heavenly father. Amen? So Jesus was born absolutely sinless, sin-free. And in his entire life, he never did sin. If there had been an earthly father, he would have had the corruption that was in him, but he didn't have an earthly father. He had a spiritual father, which was God. And because he is the son of God, was the son of God, will always be the son of God, Jesus was absolutely sinless, and that made him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Hmm. So... The story so far, Zacharias has been visited by an angel. Mary's been visited by an angel. Elizabeth is uh, about to have a son. She's already expecting. Matter of fact, I think scripture says it was the sixth month with her. And, <laughs> you know, this is Wilsonology. The Bible doesn't tell you that, but... The more I thought about it, I thought, you know, Mary must have had really a very close relationship with her cousin Elizabeth. Even though Elizabeth was older, who knows, maybe Elizabeth babysit her when she was a child. Uh, you, you don't know stuff like that. But I mean, there was some reason that Mary would almost instantly leave her own home and travel to what the Bible says is a hill country. It was some distance off. And go to Elizabeth. You know, why didn't Mary go to somebody else? Well, evidently Mary had a good relationship with Elizabeth. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but in my mind I'm thinking, well, Mary wanted to, you know, Elizabeth, I got to talk to somebody. I, I, I got to go tell somebody. I mean, I got to tell somebody. God has touched me, and I got to go tell somebody. Amen. Just a little sideline right there. You know, I think it is so awesome. Anybody remember when you first got saved? You just got to go tell somebody, and they look at you like, "Do what?" You know, and they don't. But you see, you can't help but you just got to go tell them. Oh Lord, just stir us with that again.
Amen. And, and so Mary goes to Elizabeth and and she's telling her and we just read all that. You know, she gets there and the minute that she greets Elizabeth, the baby, which is John the Baptist, the baby leaps in the womb. Y'all, that's not a blob or a part of the woman's body. From the second a child is conceived, there is a human spirit. And there's a child. I don't even like the term fetus. I'm sorry, that's a baby. It doesn't matter if it's three days old, three weeks old, three months old, three years old. It's a baby. And as Elizabeth responds to her, it's under the Holy Spirit's anointing. And I love that. And Elizabeth simply says to her, blessed is she that believed. Mary believed God. Mary believed God. And I think it's interesting. What Elizabeth says is there shall be. It's not a maybe. It's not a boy. That's, that's awesome, Mary. I hope this works out. But no, no, no. There shall be. She's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is speaking under the Spirit. And she said, there shall be a performance of those things that were told her of the Lord. In other words, it's going to happen just like God said it's going to happen, Mary. Now, I don't know about you, but the more I thought about that, the Lord just really kept stirring me. God confirmed to Mary that the word she had been given was really of God and don't let the devil steal it from you. Y'all, we've got, according to Peter, a more sure word of prophecy. Yes, amen. There are times God will and does speak even now. God can speak prophetically to us. God can speak by the Holy Spirit. You find it all the way through the book of Acts. And it's still functioning today. God can, God does, God will speak to us. God's not deaf and dumb, y'all. And so why doesn't God just speak to us audibly? Because probably if he did, we'd be like the people in the Gospels where, you know, the Bible says the Father spoke out of heaven. Now, I'm not talking about the time when Jesus was baptized. There's other places in the Gospels. It said that God literally a voice from heaven and the people went, is thundering. What was that? How many times have you thought, boy, is that thunder? Did a jet go by? Who knows? Maybe. I'm not saying it was, but maybe God was trying to talk to you. <laughs> and you weren't listening. God confirmed to Mary. Does God confirm to us his will, his purpose, his plan? Absolutely. 
You know, before Judy and I got married, just as soon as we got off the boat with Noah, uh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing y'all. We're not quite that old. But before Judy and I got married, both of us knew two things. Just by the Spirit of God. And I mean, I'm a brand new believer, but I just, it, it was just a knowing. I didn't hear any voices. I didn't have a vision of angels. That'd be cool, but that, that's according to God's will. But I knew, number one, we both knew this. God told us at separate times we were called into the ministry. That's one. The second thing, I think we really kind of knew in our heart, it, really it was God's will for us to get married. Now, if you don't know our whole story, I won't go into all of it. Judy was a widow at 20. Her first husband was killed in a very tragic truck accident. And uh, God didn't do that, but God knew it was going to happen. But God can confirm things to you. And Judy didn't know I was going to do this, but Judy, you're going to come up, and I want you to tell the story of what happened in the church service with the evangelist, Brother Plunk. Come on up. I want you to tell a story. Is that not working right? Y'all hear me? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I can't hear it, but you know. Okay. Just tell the story. Okay. Surprise. Oh. We were dating, and uh, I had told God, you know, you ever tell God something? <laughs> I told him. I said, I am not marrying him <laughs> until you tell me. Because, you know, uh, like I said, I was a young widow, and I had two small children, Karina and all, you know her. She was the funny lady the other night at the <laughs> people that were there. Uh, she was a baby. She was three weeks old. And uh, I don't know, you, you don't get over something like that with that. And uh, so I had said that to the Lord. And you know what? God really does know your heart. Yes. And he knew I meant it. I might still be a widow, but he knew I meant it. And he also knows how he can talk to you. And the way he had to talk to me was through an evangelist. This man, we had never met him, never seen him. Uh, well, I might have, because I was raised in the Simmons of God. He was a Baptist, and that's good. God brings us all together. But anyway, Brother Plunkett, he got up to preach. He was standing behind. Back then, we had pulpits this big. And, everybody uh, was still standing. Everybody was still standing up. And he said, uh, God just said something to me. And he said, I've never had this happen before. And he said, there's a young couple here in doubt about getting married. I still cry about it. And he said, I want you to come up here. 
So we just stood there. We're visiting. This is a, a revival in another town that we didn't go to church there. So we were visiting. So we just, you know, stood there. And uh, come here, Wilson. As you, can, as you can tell, he's a little taller than me. So what did you do? I bent down. Uh-huh. And I said, well, I'm not as much in doubt as you are. That's what he said. But I think that's us. <laughs> <laughs> so we got up, and we went to the front. And when we got there, he laughed at us. And I'm going, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, really, I mean, you're 21 years old. And he did this. No, he did that before we went up there. He yeah. crossed his arms and he said, I will not preach until, until you come, you come, up, come here. up here. It's too strong. It's too strong. I can't I cannot preach. And then he bent down and he said, I think that's us. He said, You're in doubt, but I'm not. And he was right. So we got up, we went up there, and when we got there, he quietly, I don't even know if they had microphones back then. Yeah, that's fifty one years ago almost. He said, It's God's will. Yeah. Or, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, it's what? God's will you marry. Yeah. But the other thing he said was, You called him. I would have had you two marry with a couple of kids. <laughs> and in my brain, I said, Well, got a couple of kids, but we're not married. <laughs> and, you know, but him saying it, and he kind of giggled. He kind of giggled at us like, you know, I'd had y'all married with a couple of kids. And <clears throat> then he said, got real serious, and he said, I want you to know it's God's will for you to be married. That and I did a happy dance? No, I didn't. And then the second thing that he said, God has called you to the ministry, and we both knew that. But the third thing he said, we didn't have no idea. He said, in your latter years of ministry, you're going to see thousands, one to the Lord. And he, then he did this. I, I can still see it. When God talks to you, you'll never forget it. Yeah. He said, don't look for it in the beginning. It's not going to be in the beginning of your ministry. It'll be in your latter years. Does anybody know where we were in our latter years where thousands are still being one to the Lord? Anybody? Well, if you don't know that story, we need to tell that story. We were we left, we met, we pastored for 25 years, and God, through another missionary, just like that on those walls, He came to our church and He said, "Wilson, God's wanting you to go into missions," and we did. Glory. Global University, if you don't know about it, it's around the world, about 180 countries, 120, 30 languages, and we helped develop, mostly him, develop this material that went into books that just went around the world, where literally thousands and thousands of people were saved. They're still being saved because Global University is still all over the world. You can take courses if you want to. We can tell you how. You can get them online. They're free. But it's a great discipleship. And through that, Wilson thinks he's still going to see thousands more saved, which I'll agree with him. Amen. And you know, it may be right here. There was two prophecies over this church. No, excuse me. It was dreams. 
Years ago, an older man had a dream that this church was full. They came from the north, the south, the north, the east, and the west. You're from the west. Uh, Y'all are from the south. You're from the north. Anybody from the east side? <laughs> yep. Okay. No, you're west side. Okay, okay, I was talking about just around here. Yeah, okay, she's in Pennsylvania. Okay, but they're going to come from all around, and I believe that we still can see, and we are, we are still seeing people either come back to the Lord that were backslid, or we're seeing people that are saved that comes back to the Lord. If you've got loved ones that are not saved, you keep praying, but most of all, invite them. Amen. Do you know next Sunday we can double if everybody in here brings one person? We'll right. double. And then we're going to have to bring all those chairs out. There's a hundred of them that we can bring out. But Jesus is coming, and we have got to get people in. We've got to get our loved ones in. An old song used to say, wait a little longer, please, Jesus, just a few more days to get our loved ones in. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to work till he comes. And I think I kind of went over why you brought me up here. You did good. Give her a hand, y'all. Amen. Woo! See, God told me as part of the message. Amen. God may not send an evangelist to you with a word. I quoted that a little bit ago. Peter says in his letters that we have a more sure work yes. than even if an angel appeared to you. And that sure word is this written word right here. God can have a verse of scripture jump out to you every time you open your Bible. Every time you turn on a preacher on TV or turn the radio on and you got it on on, on something or you're listening to a podcast of preachers and it'll be my goodness every time I turn it on they're preaching that that, that same verse of scripture where it, I don't know, it may be you know go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature but it just I mean that whatever it is it's a verse of scripture that just jumps out to you and just just jumps off the off the page it God may just confirm things with circumstances it just line up when it's just like it's almost impossible for that to happen y'all God wants you to know that he's got a plan for your life yes, now Satan wants to destroy that plan and we've got a part to play in it because God gave us a free will we can either surrender to God and if you're in the if you're in this sanctuary this morning or you're listening to this podcast later and you've been running from God and you know your life is not really what it ought to be, you need to run to God. Amen. Judy just got through saying it. Time is short. Time is so short. And y'all, we don't have time to just fool around anymore, to play church or just pretend. We've got 
to know, and you can know, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You go back to this whole story, Elizabeth, Mary. Actually, you go back to the verses above where we started and what we read. And when the angel came to Mary, Mary's response was, be it unto me according to your word. God, I accept and I receive what you have. You realize the Bible says it's, it's God's will that not any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. But we're the ones who have to say, okay, Lord, I'll be it to me. Let it be in my life. I receive what you're saying. Bow your heads with me, would you please? There may be some that are in this building this morning. And you've been saved, but there's this pull. And you just feel like there's something God wants me to do. I don't know what it is. I don't know that I'd ever be called to be a preacher behind the pulpit. But God's got a calling for your life. And then there's others that you need to come. You need to fully surrender to Jesus. For I can give you a word from God. God's not willing that you perish. God will keep you. Judy and I are going to come and stand in the front.